Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, It is so vital and important, children of God, that we keep ourselves energized, that we keep ourselves motivated, that we keep our minds focused on positive things. How many of you remember the Bible says that if we don't talk about anything, let's talk about those holy things, those righteous things, those things of God, amen, and, and keep our minds off of negativity and keep our minds free of drama and all the things that's going on. There is always opportunity to take offense. There is always opportunity to take offense. But it's those of us that are the, the real men, the real women, or those of us who know how to uh, look at corrective criticism or look at someone else's opinion and still be able to move on. And, and we, we have to be able to come into midweek service because the world that we live in uh, has the power to drain us, amen, uh, all these electronics, all the uh, microwaves that we live in around, uh, all the radiation that we're living around, not to speak of all the uh, food that we're eating is depleted. The water is really not clean, uh, cistern water. Uh, there's just a lot going on in the world that we're living in today. And, and as God's people, if we will stay focused on God, if we don't remain vigilant, if we don't keep our hands to the plow, it is easy, very, very easy in this society for us to, uh, to fall off our feet, to uh, be tossed to and fro by every whim of doctrine. So we must realize that God uh, created us, that we would be powerful beings, that we would be just as he is, amen. And the Bible says that God is omnipotent, that he has power, and he shares that power with us. Although we don't have all power like him, he created us that we would have power. So it's vital, uh, children of God, it's vital. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by that word. So it is vital for our success that we sit ourselves under the word, amen. And, and especially doing this midweek service, amen. Uh, when we've been out into the world and the world has got the best of us in some areas, amen. It happens to the best of us, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray and we're going to go ahead and Today's lesson. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Father, it is in the wonderful, everlasting name of your Son, Yeshua Mashiach, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that we pray. God, we give you all praise, glory, and honor, Father, for yet another day, another opportunity, God, that you've given us to live on this earth, Father. And we thank you for it, God. We thank you for touching us this morning and waking us up, God. We thank you, God, that our bodies are healthy and strong, God. We thank you, Father, that we are disease-free, God. We thank you, God, that we're in our right minds, God, that we can think for ourselves, that we can move around, God, that all the activities of our limbs are still working, God. We thank you that there was still money in our pockets, God, that there's still a roof over our head, Father, that we still have nice cars to drive. God, we thank you that we have a place to come in and to freely praise and worship Amen. your name, God. Amen. So we just thank you, God. Thank you. you said in your word that you've given us everything that pertains to life and godliness, God. So we thank you, God, thank you. that you continue to bless us and endow us, God, with power from on high. Amen. Now bless those who are yet on their way, Father. Give them traveling mercies. Put your hedge of protection around the vehicles, God. And Father, bless us. Bless me right now as I prepare to uh, speak on your word, God. Whenever we speak on your word, Father, we pray that you give us power, that you give us clarity, God, that you would have us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, that as your word goes forth with truth and power, uh, not meant to offend, God, but every now and then, the truth hurts. But Father, we ask that you help us to be able to be receivers of the truth and not to just want to uh, have our itching ears tickled with those things that, that makes us feel good. So, God, we thank you, we love you, we trust you, we honor you, we bless you, we magnify you, and we're waiting on you to come and get us. It is in the wonderful, everlasting name of your Son, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ the Messiah, that we pray. And let all of God's people say amen. 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 Let's go ahead and have testimony time. Amen. Amen. How good is God? Amen. 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 Praise the name of the Lord of God. 
Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, just thank you to just be here one more time, land of the living. Yes, sir. Uh, just now, nothing big or small happened today. But I'm just thankful to just once again that uh, he kept me safe. He allowed me to come here another midweek service just to get charged up to finish the week out. Amen. And I'm just thankful to just uh, be uh, around uh, like-minded people. Amen. Amen. specifically uh, prophetic books and, and uh, apocalyptic books. Yeah? When we're dealing with those books, there's word rules you have to 
be able to deal with. Because they're symbolic. Those books are symbolic. The grand nature of, of those books, prophetic books and apocalyptic books, those books, uh, there's wording that goes along with those books. And we talked about last week uh, one word that's traditionally used. Now, it, it's not to say that every time you see the word woman in a prophetic book that it's talking about the church. Sometimes it's actually talking about a woman. But for the majority of the time, in prophetic books and in apocalyptic books, and when I say apocalyptic, I mean end time books such as Revelation. Uh, prophetic books, we know those are the four major and the twelve minors. So when we're dealing with those, and we see, and, and I'm using this one example because it's one we're dealing with right now in Zechariah in chapter five last week. We dealt with this word woman. And I want to do a quick, quick review real fast because there was some things uh, that, that was talked about and uh, I kind of feel from some of the questions that was asked throughout the week, I kind of feel like maybe I may have said some things wrong or someone didn't get a, a proper contextual understanding of what I meant. So I want to go over that real, real quick. When we talked about the woman that was sitting in the ephah, amen. Now I want you to realize that the visual the visual was not the container. The visual, the weight, the ephah, is what the container was filled with. You understand the difference? There's the bathtub, and then there's the water. Amen? Now, the water's in the bathtub, but when it's talking about the ephah, the weight that it was talking about was sin, was uh, iniquity. That's the ephah full that the woman was sitting in the middle of. And the woman representing God's people it should not be sitting in the middle of sin, which makes her, what word did he use? He says that this is the woman and she represents what? In, in, in five, in, 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 in Zechariah five. She represents wickedness mm -hmm. because she's sitting in the ephah of sin. You understand? So when we look at the woman in this, in, in this arena, when she's carried off by two other women, which that's the only thing that, that those two women represent in Zechariah. The only thing that they represented was they the ones who carried her off. That's the only thing that Zechariah says. It's not safe for us to go assuming. Amen? Deal with, come on, when we do Bible study methods, what's the first thing we learn how to do? Observation. Observation. Read what the text says. We have to, we have to get out of putting our preconceived notions into things. So when we're dealing with one woman who's sitting in the ephah of wickedness, which makes her wickedness, the two women that carry her off, I honestly have no explanation for you because scripture doesn't say much about them, except they had wings like a stork, and they carried her off to Babylon, or to, uh, what word did it use last week? Shinar. Shinar. Which is where, if you think about it, that's where the Tower of Babel was where Nimrod grew. Amen? So, I want to make, I want to make sure we got a, a, a good understanding. Now, the only woman that we was talking about that the Bible gives us any inkling about was the woman that was sitting in the ephraim. So, as she was carried to Babylon, when we get to Revelation, whether you read 17 or 18, you're going to see that this woman is still representing, uh, in Revelation, it's called harlotry. Harlotry. And, and that's another word for adulteress. Someone who playing around on God. Hallelujah. Okay. And when we talk about wickedness, that is one of the most wicked things that we can do is commit spiritual adultery. The church don't talk about it much. Amen. You're supposed to be married to Jesus, but you're spending all your time with somebody else. <laughs> that's spiritual adultery. Put it in its lowest common terms. Amen. Also, there was a discrepancy about how many visions was in Zechariah. Now, the notes that I was using was the notes that came out of, uh, I'm not trying to put nobody down, so I'm not going to say his name. I said it the other day, but I don't want to say the name of the Bible. But there's a certain Bible that we use, and the notes in that Bible said that Zechariah, the book of Zechariah, he, he had ten visions. Well, as you read other commentators, uh, the NIV study Bible notes and uh, other commentators, they all kept saying eight. 
so as we as we looked at it, there was some language coming up, and uh, there's one that's coming as a vision, where as we reviewed it, I really couldn't see where that was a, a true vision because the word was not. I turned and I saw, or I looked again, or the angel showed me. The word was, uh, listen now or hear now. So there was a discrepancy. So if you read notes that say eight visions, we won't be dogmatic about that. If you read notes that say ten visions, we won't be dogmatic about that. Because what I have uh, come to, to realize is all you can study from, is commentaries that people wrote in the past. And I'm cool with that. I think that when we're using commentaries, and we should, because it's the only information that we got, amen? amen. But and, and this is the reason why it's important to use commentaries on information that we already got. Because it ain't safe for none of us to start making up new stuff now. Amen. That ain't safe. Amen. Amen. So amen. what I like to do is read commentaries, and you have to read several, and you have to get a consensus. For example, if you read five commentaries and four basically saying the same thing and one is saying something outlandish, I'm going to go with the four. Amen? Yes. And there's certain favorites that I, that I like to read. The Pulpit Commentary, uh, Matthew Henry Commentary, Benson's Commentary, Gill's Expository Commentary. Uh, the the uh, I, I, I did like reading... The commentaries from this one Bible I'm talking about, but we kind of finding that there's a few discrepancies in the notes of that Bible. So I just wanted to straighten that up from last week for those who listen and who take notes. That uh, I, I, I said ten visions, but if you read information where it says eight, that's fine. And we wanted to make sure that when we talked about the women in chapter uh, chapter five, the only one woman that it gave explicit information about was the woman sitting in the ephah. The other two women just threw her away, and that's all we know. Amen. Yeah. Amen. All right, because uh, one thing one thing I don't like doing is making it up. Because even a lot of the notes I read didn't have much to say about the two women who carried her away. All they basically had to say is she uh, they they had wings like a star, and then they tried to explain what that meant, uh, why it described they, their wings like stars. Amen. All right, so today. We'll be in Zechariah chapter 6. Amen? Let's go ahead and start reading that. I'm going to ask uh, that deep, uh, Craig, that you would start reading uh, Zechariah chapter 6. Start at verse 1 for me. Go through that first paragraph all the way through verse 8. Then I turned and raised my eyes and looked, and behold, Four chariots were coming from between the two mountains, and the mountains were mountains of bronze. With the first chariot were red horses, with the second chariot black horses, with the third chariot white horses, and with the fourth chariot they were horses, strong steeds. Then I answered and said to the angel who talked with me, What are these, my lord? And the angel answered and said to me, these are the four spirits of heaven who got out of their station before the Lord of all the earth. The one with the black horse is going to the north country. The white is, are going after them, and the daple are going towards the south country. Then the strong steeds went out, eager to go, that they might walk to and fro throughout the earth. And he said, go, walk to and fro throughout the earth. So they walked to and fro throughout the earth. And he called to me and spoke to me, saying, See, those who go towards the north country have given rest to my spirit in the north country. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Receive gifts from the captives of Haiti, Tobiah, and Jadia, who have come from Babylon and go the same day to enter the house of Josiah, the son of Zephaniah. Take the silver and gold, make an elaborate crown, and set it on the head of Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest. Then speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, 
Behold, the man whose name is Branch, from his place shall branch out. He shall build the temple of the Lord. Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear the name glory and shall sit rule on his throne. So he shall be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. Now the elaborate crown shall be for a memorial in the temple of the Lord of Healing. Tobijah, Jadaz, Hen, the son of Zephaniah, even those from afar shall come and build the temple of the Lord. And you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. And this shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. If you do what? Diligently obey. Obey the voice of the Lord. Um, I, don't, I don't really recall when this language was taken out of the Bible. It was in my lifetime. When preachers don't preach that no more, that if you diligently listen to the voice of the Lord, that your life could be prosperous uh, and successful. Huh. I, I'm gonna try, I'll try my best uh, as the pastor here that we would keep that before the people that God's expectation is holiness. Hallelujah. Amen. Now each and every one of us know that each and every day of our lives that we're not going to live the whole day holy. But you do need to know and understand that is God's expectation. Now, just because we can't carry it out, Amen. that doesn't negate the fact that that's what God expects. Amen. It's one of the reasons that he sent his son. Hallelujah. Amen. To fill that void, to fill that gap when we can't be holy. But you'll never be holy if you don't try to live a holy life. Every, watch this. Every now and then, do you realize that every now and then when you try, you do live a holy life? Mm -hmm. Amen? And sometimes you got to give credit where credit is due. If you're doing good and you're trying your best, and you can, well, we ain't no stretch it and say you go through a whole day without sin. <laughs> but there are periods in our life where we are righteous people, where we do try and succeed to do the right thing. Amen? Amen. So, just every now and then, just encourage yourself like the song said. In case it was here, I'd have to sing it. I ain't gonna mess it up. But sometimes you need to encourage yourself. And when you're doing good, and we need to do that for each other. Now as a leader in leadership, sometimes we get in the habit of leadership and just point out when people do things wrong. Sometimes in leadership, amen. We should give kudos and you should be able to give credit with credit is due. Hallelujah. So we see here in chapter 6, right in verse 1, we see that this is another vision because he says, I looked up again, and there before me were four chariots. All right. Now we're dealing with four chariots coming from the Now, remember, whenever we're dealing with prophetic books, the wording is symbolic. You kind of have to keep the action. It's not hard for you to keep in mind because you're going to be reading this stuff saying what in the world is he talking about. <laughs> but when you do realize that one of the prophetic and apocalyptic rules is that it's written in uh, it's not spelled out for you. The writing is symbolic. So what we have to learn how to do is we have to learn what the symbols are. What, what the symbolism is. Amen. 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 So when we deal, uh, well, let's go ahead and read a little further. Let me, let me try to get at least down to uh, verse 6. So he said, well, verse 5, verse 5. He says that the angel answered me, these are the four spirits. Now, see, he called them four chariots. Now, one good thing about Zechariah is he, he don't leave you much to uh, guess about because one thing about it, when he shows the when God shows the prophet something and the prophet turns to the angel and say, what is that? The angel answers him explicitly. So it's really for, it's really nothing for us to figure out. So in, in the beginning of the chapter, symbolically, he says that it's four chariots. But then in verse five, he shows us that it's really talking about what? Four spirits. Four spirits, amen. Of heaven going out from standing in the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. Now, when we go to Revelation, you see a lot of talk about certain entities of angels that stand before the Lord. Amen? It, 
about the 24 elders standing before the Lord. Holy, holy, holy. It talks about the seven angels that stand before the Lord. Amen? All day and all night. Here he talks about four spirits. Uh, Revelation even talks about, I think, seven spirits that stands before the Lord. So he says, uh, in verse 6, he says, the one with the black horses is going toward the north country. Amen. Now, the north country, uh, each of these directions that he gives, the north, the south, and the west, they are uh, countries. They represent empires, I should say. They represent ancient empires. The Babylonians, the Medes, and the Persians, the Greeks, and the, and the Romans. Amen? So as we see each of these, once again, it's symbolic. Now, once you learn the symbolism, that is the hardest part about prophetic books and apocalyptic books, is you have to learn the symbolism. How do you learn the symbolism? Now, like I said, in Zechariah, he spells it out for you. He shows him something in symbolism. He turned, the prophet turns to the angel and says, what is this? And the angel tells him. But in a lot of prophetic writing, it's written in symbolism, and then you got to go figure out what the symbol means. And you do that by going and reading other prophecy books. If you want to understand what's going on in uh, Daniel and Ezekiel, and of course in Zechariah, well, you got to go read Revelation. If you want to stand, understand what's going on in Revelation, well, you got to go back and read Daniel and Ezekiel, uh, Zechariah, and Jeremiah. You got to, in other words, you have to study these books together to understand all the symbolic meaning. And of course, we do have commentators and commentaries uh, to help us along the way. Listen to me carefully. It is vitally important that you become, listen, it's vitally important that you become proficient at reading commentaries. That is vitally important. Because in our translations of the Bible, a lot of this stuff don't mean what you're reading in your Western mind. A, a, a vast majority of what the Bible is trying to say, God's original intent, that's not what it means with our free Western mind. And it's very prudent uh, that, 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 that I exhort you to go read commentaries uh, from people that you trust. Information that you that you learn to trust. Excuse me, Pastor, can you repeat that again? You said read to understand, to understand the symbols. To understand the prophetic symbols. For, for example, one example is the woman. To understand what the woman represents, you got to go to Revelation uh, to understand the prophetic books. You're not going to understand Revelation unless you understand the prophetic books. To be honest with you, not just the prophetic books, but the whole the whole Old Testament. The Old Testament is written around God's customs. Truthfully, the whole Bible is because when you look at the gospel, the gospel is written around three pathways. Some people like to say two. There's this grand debate going on in theology of was Jesus ministry, earthly ministry, three years or two and a half. There's this big debate about that. I won't be dogmatic about it. But you have to be able to, to understand Revelation, you have to be able to read the Old Testament prophets. Well, to understand the Old Testament prophets, you gotta go read Revelation. They they go together. Prophecy and apocalyptic watch this. Prophecy and apocalyptic books go together. Why? Because most prophecies is about end times. A lot of prophecies, I won't say most, but a lot of prophecies, it's about end times. It's about Jesus coming as the coming king in the end. Amen. Mm -hmm. That's right. So he, in verse 6, he says, the one with the black horse is going toward the north country, the one with the white horses is going toward the west country, and the one with the dabbled horse is going toward the south country. So the red horse that's uh, that he's speaking about is obviously already in the east. When the powerful horses went out, uh, when the powerful horses went out, they were straining to go throughout the earth. And he said, go throughout the earth. So what they do? They went throughout the earth. Now watch this. This is the second entity that we see that God uses to go throughout the earth. Now, We've said this several times, and I want to make sure I reiterate this. Some, sometimes to keep people in check so they, so they don't get the big head. But when God was using these nations, 
Babylon, who attacked his people. The Medes and Persians, who attacked his people. Uh, uh, the Romans, who attacked his people. All of the, the Greeks, all of these were agents of God. They did not just go attack Israel and was in control. Uh, the Bible says about the uh, Grecian Empire, which, which, which was uh, Alexander the Great, the Bible says that they were in control of the whole then known world. And you always have to explain it that way. The entire then known world. Amen? Because when you look through history, if you look at a lot of your Bible maps, you'll notice throughout time those maps change. Like the complexion of the earth changed throughout history. Of course, after the flood, that's one example. After the flood, how the complexion of the earth changed. Yes, sir. This is something I know. It's like in the newer version, but in the NI, the New King James and the Seaford, yeah. the, uh, the white horse doesn't go to the west. It mm. goes after the black. Mm. It's only in the newer translations that they say the white horse. Right. Because I just had, when I was reading my New King James, it didn't say that. And when you said it, it lines up with my NIV. Right. The new with well, even in the NIV, the scripture says it that way, but when you go read the notes, it, yeah. then it, it, clear, it clears it up. And once again, that's once again why it's so important to go read your notes. It's, that, it's real good. One of the best things that ever happened with me is somebody bought me a, a, a study Bible. Not just a Bible with the scriptures in it, but a Bible that has the scriptures and then it has the notes of what each of the scriptures mean. That was one of the best things that ever happened to me. That's when I really learned how important reading the notes and the commentaries are. So when we look uh, at these four horses and chariots, they represent nations, but these nations, now let's make sure we understand before we move on, these nations were being used by God. And basically they were being used by God to, uh, I think you just said it in your testimony, everything negative don't always come from the devil. And we find it out in these prophecies that the devil ain't showed up at one time yet, and that's when he was at the altar with Joshua. And God said, here you go, accused. I think that's in Zechariah chapter 2 or 3 or something. We read that, that, that uh, Joshua was at the altar and Satan was there too, making accusations. And that's what he does. Revelation calls him what? The accuser's brother. But we've seen a lot of negative stuff happen, but every time we see it, it's saying that the Lord did that. That the Lord is the one who sent these nations into invade. That the Lord is using such nations. I mean, these are cruel people. Now watch this. Do y'all remember uh, how we talked about uh, who, who was that Esther was under? What, what king was that Esther was under? Uh, Artaxerxes or Hasherim? Whichever one. Remember Haman built, uh, we, when we say gallows, we think rope around the neck, drop the bottom out on you and hang your neck. But that's not technically what a gallow was in the Bible. They would sharpen poles, telephone pole sized sticks and sharpen them at the edge like pencils and impale people down on them. And honestly, they were trying to sodomize them. Mm -hmm. They wanted the pole to go. That's cruel and vicious. Do you realize that one of the ways that they were killing Christians in Rome uh, was to uh, kill an animal and roll them up in the bloody uh, animal skin and throw them out in the middle of the uh, arena for the lions to maul. And people would be up in the stands cheering like we do at football games. Do you realize what type of death that was hanging on a cross? Now remember, it just wasn't Jesus and those two thieves that hung on crosses. That was Rome's way right. of, of embarrassing right. people right. in their death, embarrassing the family. And watch this, is leaving an example for the next person that want to commit a crime, huh? Now remember, Barabbas was supposed to be up on that cross, not Jesus, remember? You see, so when we really look back, Nero, Nero, the Bible says, uh, who was the Roman emperor in like what, 260-something AD? No, 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 not that long. In the 60s and 70s, because he the one who killed most of the apostles. Most of the apostles died under Nero. So Nero was in charge around the 60s, 70s, and 80 AD. And Nero would hang Christians up in his garden at night up on poles and light them on fire. Just so he could have light in his garden. 
So when we look at what God's people have been through, each and every time, though, we have to remember, God is using these nations against his people because his people become what? What's the word that he used in the Old Testament? Disobedient. Huh? Disobedient. Stiff-necked and arrogant, which led, which is words for disobedience. And that's what we see. But, you know, the thing about God is, <laughs> this makes me understand that parable that Jesus told about the workers. About how some workers don't go to work at 6 in the morning, some don't come to work at 9, some don't come to work at noon, and some don't come to work at 3, and when they get off at 5, they all get paid the same thing, and some of them get mad. These prophecy books are showing me that. Because, I mean, that don't, God is telling his people how dirty they are and how they need to straighten up. But you, do you know what the end of every chapter or the end of every prophecy is? What's that last R? Restoration. 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 And that's a good thing about God. But don't go and tell the truth. And I know you feel that way because you called me about it. It ain't no way in the world he's going to forgive them people. Look at what they did. Remember that conversation? How? There's no way. So what you mean to tell me? That they can do all they did and they still going to get in? That's right. That's God. That's God, people. He said, watch this. I don't, I, I don't know how many times I can show you in the Bible where it says that God is going to do this so that he may prove the covenant that he made with your forefathers. Some of the blessings, most of the blessings, let's go all the way. All the blessings we get, we ain't deserve. We not get them because of us. We get them because what God promised somebody else. Amen. That is a common thread in Scripture. And we read all this hard stuff about what God is saying and doing to his people. But every single time, his people, and what's the R word for his people? What's the R word for his people? Really? Remnant. Remnant. The remnant. The remnant is going to live inside. That's a promise from God. Amen. But you have to live like the remnant. And that simply says, listen to me carefully, it has nothing to do with Jesus. You see, when, when we really start reading, see how these prophecy books open up everything else? When Jesus said that it, you can't take nothing from the outside and put in the to follow you. He said, well, really, the following you, with the defiling you and crippling you, he said, it's that old dirty stuff you already got down inside of you. That's really what's defiling you. Because they were into, remember how the story started in Mark chapter 7. Uh, I think it's Mark chapter 7. It started off by them washing pots. And Jesus' disciples didn't wash the pots. And they was like, you hypocrites. Jesus said, you see, y'all want to wrong thing.
I looked at that mirror and I felt good about myself. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm perfect or all righteous or anything, but I didn't have I didn't have nothing dragging me down. I didn't. I thank God, Hallelujah, that that my life is in a position right now where I can look in the mirror at myself and trust me when I tell you everybody can't do that. Everybody can't look in the mirror and feel good about what they see. But I want you to understand, that's why this country is in such a depressive state. Because depression, let me, let me, let me give you depression where the rubber meet the road at. This ain't what the books say, but I want to say it so a two, a two year old can understand. Depression is when you look up in that mirror you don't like what you see. That's depression. When one not likes oneself. Amen? Amen. So do the mirror test. <laughs> Look up and see if you like what you see. And I ain't talking about the wrinkles. You know, I'm getting a little bald head and all that. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about my soul. When I looked into my own eyes, I was okay with what I saw. Now, I do want to interject here. That does not imply in no way that I ain't got work to do in my life. So don't, 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 don't get what I'm saying twisted. But just like Fred used God, what Paul said, Paul said, I've learned to be what? Content. content. I ain't satisfied with where I'm at, but I am content with where I'm at. Amen, amen. So as we look at the next uh, the next vision, the next vision comes, it starts at chapter 9, I'm sorry, verse 9. Uh, he says, the word of the Lord came to me, take silver, now, I call this a vision. My fault. I'm sorry, y'all. He says, the word of the Lord came to me. Take silver and gold from the exiles. Hildiah, Tobiah, Judea, who have arrived from Babylon. Go to the same day to the house of Josiah, son of Zephaniah. Now, once again, uh, well, let's read verse 11. Take the silver and gold and make a crown and set it on the head of the high priest. How do we say that name? The high priest. Who? Who? Yahshua's son of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. That's the same Joshua the king. Remember we went back to Haggai and realized who he was? And the reason, the reason I always pause right here because when we see the name Joshua, it's easy to get confused. Especially when you see the name Joshua in the Old Testament. It's easy to think it's talking about Moses' homeboy Joshua. Amen? But I want to always point out, he's talking about Joshua the king. And he, he's, he's representative or a, I don't want to say a forerunner, that's not a good word. He's representative of Christ. Now watch this. He says, uh, I'm going to start at verse 11. Take the silver and gold and make a crown and set it on the head of who? The high priest. Amen. Jo- Joshua's son. Amen. Joel. The, the son of, of uh, Yohasadak. Tell him this is what the Lord Almighty says. Here is the man whose name is the what? All right. Now that's our first indication. And he will branch out from his place and build the temple of the Lord. Now he's doing two. He's doing, uh, he's the branch and he's going to build the temple of the Lord. It is he who will build the temple of the Lord and he will be clothed with majesty and will sit and rule on his throne. Y'all, y'all checking out that, the, 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 the language? Mm-hmm. The similarity in language? And he will be a priest. Uh-oh. So not, not, not only is he going to sit on the throne and be the king, he's going to be the high priest too. Now once again, who that sound like? And there will be harmony between the two. Between the kinghood and the priesthood, in other words. The crown will be given to Hildiah, Jobiah, and Jediah, and Hen, son of Zephaniah, and Hen must be uh, Josiah. 
as a memorial in the temple of the Lord. Those who are far away will come and help to build the temple of the Lord. See, that's the prophecy right there talking about entering uh, uh, it. When they don't get the approval to come and rebuild the temple. And you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me. This will happen. Uh-oh, here we go again. Come on, everybody, let's read this last part uh, real, real quick. This will, uh, he says that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Come this, on, everybody, read. This, this will, will happen if you diligently, if you diligently obey, the Lord, your obey God. the Lord your God. Now, he put a stipulation on it happening. He says this prophecy can only be fulfilled if you be obedient. Jesus was on the cross and he said, Tell you, 
Telestai. Telestai is the Greek word that he said. In our Bible, it says, it is finished. <clears throat> it was finished. What did, what did Jesus mean when he said, it is finished? It is the work of the, the work of remember, God. Remember, the Bible says that Jesus did not come to do away with the law. He came to do what? To fulfill it. And that's what was <laughs> The fulfillment of the law. He is the law. Amen. This is how you can keep God's law. People say, well, we're not law keepers no more. Well, you sure better be trying to keep like Jesus. You better try to live like Jesus. That's one law. Try your best to live like you should. And then when we read the Gospels, we see exactly how he lived. Amen. Amen. And, and let's try to mimic ourselves of what we see Jesus as we see him in the Gospels. Because the Gospels give us a true picture of Jesus walking on this earth. And that's what we should see. The, the big uh, uh, distraction, the big distraction that the enemy uses against us is to keep us diverted, to keep us busy, to keep us from focusing on the main goal. Amen. But individually, for each of us in this room and those watching, for each of us, it is our responsibility that we would make ourselves a one man and a one woman army that, that is willing to go all the way. Amen? Amen. Let's go all the way with God. Let's see, let's see if the if the Bible is true. Let's see if it is really telling the whole story. Because like I tell people all the time, I'd rather get to the end and find out what I'm doing is right than to get to the end and find out that I left off some things that are really important to God. Amen. Because if we do what no 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 foul no no harm. But if you're not doing what he said do throughout all generations, we got a problem in our hands. Amen. <coughs> Want to remind everybody uh, this weekend we have evangelism, but we you can, you can turn it on. Amen. We have evangelism, but we won't be going out because the nursing home is still not accepting uh, people.